and welcome to the Giving Voice to Depression podcast, produced in partnership with the A.B. Corcor Foundation for Mental Health. I'm Terry, the creator and co-host of this podcast. I've lived with depression most of my life, and I know how easy it can be to feel all alone in the experience. I'm not alone, and you aren't either. And I'm Dr. Anita Sands, a licensed clinical psychologist with a number of my own diagnoses, all of which bring a certain amount of anxiety and depression along with them. There is great power in shared experiences. We share our own as we engage in intimate and candid conversations with our weekly guests, exploring different perspectives on and experiences with depression. We keep it real because depression is real. We keep it hopeful because there truly is hope in spite of what depression tells you. Hello, Anita. Hi, Terry. We're wrapping up Suicide Prevention Awareness Month with a powerful message from a powerful voice. Mm -hmm. Last week, we introduced you to Janine Rivers. She spoke of her upbringing, the tender age at which toxic people and voices entered her life and thoughts. And we got to hear her sing one of her favorite songs, Summertime, from Porgy and Bess. (laughs) We wanted you to first see Janine as the empowered woman she is making the informed choice to share her story, laughing, crying, even singing as she did, so that you have proof that even someone who once lost all hope, even tried to end their life, can get to a place of looking back gratefully on her survival and her current life. Today's episode will focus on Janine's suicide attempt. We believe that part of her story has value too, because it also offers a powerful message Like many survivors, after taking steps intended to end her life, Janine realized she'd made a terrible mistake and that she did not actually want to die. Not at all. Since not all suicide methods give the opportunity to reconnect with our will to live, we see this perspective as both unique and powerful. Please, please listen to her story, assuming that it's not too triggering for you, and let her message sink in. There are many ways to end the pain that do not involve ending your life. A quick review. When we talked with Janine three years ago, she had just begun sharing about this intense and intimate part of her life. But when she was ready, she was really ready. She not only decided to share here, but she also wrote and published an essay about her attempt, which she'll read from in parts of this episode. Here now is Janine giving her voice to depression. And to be honest, it's not something that I always would claim. And the reason why I didn't claim it is because it was frowned upon. You know, depression is looked at um, whenever your behavior is not what it should a person thinks it should be. If they don't know that you're diagnosed with anything, then oh, you're just acting. But as soon as they figure out that you have a diagnosis well, you know, they're mentally ill or something's wrong with them. And then who wants that stigma on them? Mm-hmm. Who wants, when you're, when you have an outgoing personality and you are um, looked upon as being this person that's always happy, when you have people always telling you, Janine, I, I wish I had your life. You're always so happy. You have it so, always so together. 
who wants to admit that they have depression? Janine is not only admitting to depression, but to a diagnosis that's perhaps even more misunderstood, one including hypomanic episodes in addition to depressive ones. It's one of the illnesses that used to be clumped together and called manic depression. She brought it up, unprompted. Well, let me ask you something. Do you want me to discuss my diagnosis? So pull me into it, because this is, this is okay. hard, but I so, want to do it. Um, you know, some of us know that we've had something, you say, since 10. And then when we're finally diagnosed, if we're finally diagnosed, some people find great relief because now they got a damn word for it. <laughs> Yes. So, I don't know, what was your reaction to being diagnosed? What led you to go to a doctor to be diagnosed? Uh, You know, what what led me to go to a doctor is because, like I told you, I'm very, um, or or, as people say, I'm very high-spirited and sometimes irrational with it. Like, Janine, really? Like, you're going to really do that? (laughs) And... um. I still, I still squabble with the diagnosis, but, but, but lately when I was reading what my diagnosis is, I have to say I laughed. I said, oh, this is so me. Girlfriend, just go ahead and claim this because this is so you. So yes, in 2003, I was diagnosed with bipolar 2 disorder. And I say that proudly. That, that was kind of like hard for me to ever tell anybody. Having disclosed that, she then wanted to make one point very clear. Our diagnoses define our illnesses, not ourselves. I am not bipolar disorder. I am not crazy. I've been diagnosed with bipolar 2 disorder. So I think sometimes we have to learn to realize that we are who we are as individuals and then we have this diagnosis. Um, a person who has cancer or a person that has kidney disease, we don't tell them, you are cancer. You are kidney disease. When you have a mental illness, you hear, you are crazy. You're schizophrenic. Why do we do that to people? We're still people. We're still wonderful, beautiful people. And we just may have a little something that's just different about us. Everybody does. Right. And and we all do. A heads up. Here's where Janine brings up her suicide attempt. So I'm assuming you are speaking today from a pretty healthy, empowered place. Because if you're depressed, it's sure not showing. (laughs) Tell me about those days when you wake up and sit on the edge of your bed and aren't sure you want to be alive that day. You know, when I was 19, um, I tried to commit suicide. I should have never woke up. I woke up and panicked because I didn't want to die. I was like, oh, my God, what have I done? You don't want to die. You just want that pain to stop. You don't want to die. Wait. Pick up the phone. Call someone. You just want to stop hurting. And the pain sometimes is so... Oh, it's so um, paralyzing that you don't want to feel it. But if you wait and just pick up the phone and call someone and tell someone what you're feeling, you will be really happy that you have not an attempt. I'm glad I failed. But you really don't. You really just want to 
stop hurting. We've all heard that phrase, failed suicide attempt. But think about it. It is not a failure to live through an attempt. And it is hardly a success to die. So instead of successful, it's recommended we say died by suicide. And when someone like Janine tries to kill him or herself and lives, they're attempt survivors, a phrase Janine much prefers now that she thinks about it. So I shouldn't say I'm glad I failed. No, you're glad you survived. Thank you. Yes, I see what you're saying. Yeah. I'm glad I survived. Yeah. Thank you. Because I consider myself a survivor. Not a failure. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. See, I learned you're something. A survivor. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, thank you. You are so very welcome. I do not see a failure sitting across from me right now. I'm glad you survivor. don't. I'm glad. You know, but I, but, you know, I still deal with some of the same issues that I did. But I just have a different, you know, I life is just so beautiful. We have to give it a chance. Back to Janine's story from decades ago, when depression talked her out of that belief. Yeah, I, I remember that day, plain as day. I remember waking up, calling into work what I felt that day. I felt like I had no one to call, no one that was going to understand. I was isolated from my family, so I couldn't call relatives or anybody because I didn't think they cared. I had nothing. So. You thought. I thought. So I thought. Janine reads her recollections of that late spring day when after attempting to end her life, she realized she was still alive. The silence in the room was diddly as I became aware of that eerie stillness. I thought, but why am I awake? I thought I would sleep and never wake up again. My body felt like jello, firm yet wobbly. Oh my God, I thought, beginning to panic. What have I done? Out of nowhere, I heard a whisper, Janine, get up. But I can't. I can't even move, I protested. No longer a whisper, the voice demanded. Janine, get up right now and get to the door. You can do it. Go. But how, I thought, I feel so totally warped. How can I possibly get to the door? There is no way I can walk, I cried out. I just wanted to sleep, to dream of a time when I felt whole and happy. And just as I was closing my eyes again, ready to give up, the voice thundered, Janine, get up, come on, get up. Panic and defeat fought within me. Why should I want to live? Something in that call gave me courage to try. Somehow I rose and took a few steps, fell to the floor, and then began dragging myself toward the door, all the while hearing, Come on, just a little bit more. You can do it. With great effort, Janine managed to get to her apartment door, open it, and get into the public hallway where she'd be found. The hospital summary reads, Her mental status upon admission was apparently confused, disorientated, which eventually degenerated into a coma lasting one week. 
No one knows how long I was lying in the hallway unconscious before I was found. But I will never forget what the doctor told me. Janine, if you had been found 15 minutes later, you would be dead. 30 plus years later, it's still hard. So for me, this is what I think about. Um, I think about that I didn't die. I think about how I was found. And I, and I wasn't mad when I woke up. I was actually pretty happy that I woke up. And if I didn't, if I hadn't woke up, I never would have had my beautiful daughter. I never would have accomplished all the great things in my life that I've accomplished. I would have never had that great degree, that great career in banking. And I never would have met so many amazing people in my life. So for me, it's, I survived once and it was for a reason. 15 minutes, one quarter of one hour. For Janine, that was not just the difference between death and life, but of a life in which her childhood dream and many others came true. How can I just leave this world when I have so many more people to love on and to pour into? The day I die, people will will be able to say, she may have done this and she may have done that. But, oh, she always rose above like a phoenix. And look what she did. They will have to say that. Reading again, here's Janine. If you Google my name today, you will find a world that never could have happened if I had been found 15 minutes later. I earned an Associate of Arts degree in vocal performance at age 48, and I released my debut CD, Iridescent October, in 2016. Traveling throughout Europe and the U.S., I have had the honor of performing for millions. The voice I heard that day in 1985, the whisper, and then the shout, Janine, get up, is the same voice I heard as a teenager telling me to escape. Now at age 55, I continue to hear this voice during the most difficult times in my life. I hear that call as the voice of God reminding me to get to the door and open it. Because on the other side, there is a bright light filled with many more amazing opportunities. The end. The beginning. The beginning, yeah, yeah. So Terry, fifteen minutes. Yeah. That's that's scary. That's scary. It is scary. Yeah. And her will to live and to to get her to where you know get her body where she could be found and mm-hmm. somebody could, you know, could get her help, that's just incredible. Yeah, it's I, I see it, you know, when she describes it and it, it, it hurts me to think of how badly she was hurting. Because yeah. she's she's just wonderful and Yeah. Yeah. That's true of so many people who who have lost all connection to their worth because of all the kinds of reasons that can happen. Yeah, yeah. And that's really what depression does so well, um, Mm -hmm. is just disconnect you from your sense of of worth. And once that happens, it's just so difficult to imagine, imagine a life that 
you deserve living, you know, mm-hmm. that, that you deserve life, period. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think, I think asking the hypothetical question to yourself, you know, what would I try to get for myself if I were worthy of having it? Um, oh, wow. Is sometimes a very helpful thing to do if someone is depressed to, to ask yourself that question to ask someone else because when depression sort of already kind of like running running the show I, I imagine like a person and depression's pulling the strings like mm-hmm. you're the puppet now mm-hmm. you don't even get to decide what you're going to to do next asking hypothetical questions you know what what would i attempt to do if i knew i could not fail is one of my favorites and for depression, what would I try to get for myself if I were worthy of having it? So I want to ask you to give me some possible answers because sometimes like your thoughts get so constricted mm-hmm. that, you know, someone will say, how, what, how are you feeling? I'm like, give me, name some feelings that I might be having right now because I can't even connect with those words. Mm-hmm. So, so when you ask that question, mm-hmm. what are some things that you or your clients have answered or that you think would be helpful or could be helpful to, to uh, for someone to believe they deserve and to, to try to access? The first, I think, is attention. And we talked about, you know, attention, su- suicide attempts or, um, or talking about suicide as as cries for attention, and but mm-hmm. honestly, attention is one of the things that you don't feel you deserve when depression's running the show. Mm-hmm. You don't feel like you deserve to take someone's time to talk with them about how you're feeling, to quote unquote mm-hmm. bring them down because depression's lying to you and and tells you that if you are honest with people about what you're thinking and what you're feeling and how much you're struggling you're just going to you're going to as we say burden them bum them out burn them out so yeah. so the first thing i think people would often say they would try to get for themselves if if they were worthy of having it is the attention of others hmm. and then a lot of times the answer is help for myself However that might look. You know, taking up the time and Mm -hmm. the resources to not just someone's attention, but the recognition. Usually, if you're you're really seriously contemplating suicide, there's also a part of you you that that knows that you're not safe. You're going to need some kind of an an intervention, whether that's, you know, people coming and staying with you or you getting to a place where you will be safe for a while. And I think people who are depressed immediately start calculating the hassle that their friends or their family will have to go through to get them that help. And then they start calculating the cost, Wow! literally the financial cost, how much an inpatient stay costs, how, yes, oh. all of that. And they just, again, when there's worthiness issues at play, um, they're not going to feel like they are worthy of of the, of anybody spending that kind of either time or money on them to even to, even to save their life. Wow. So yeah, so a lot of times they will say I know what I need. I know I need to go to the hospital. I know I need to be impatient for a couple of days, get my meds worked out, be in a place where I feel safe and I can't hurt myself, but it's going to cost so much money and I'm not worth that. <sighs> I mean, the, when you say the phrase, the value of human life, you know, we never think of it as an actual dollar amount, but I can see how that could happen if you're feeling mm-hmm. 
depressed and unworthy. Yeah, and that's why, what would you try to get for yourself if you were worthy of having it? Sometimes they'll say, help, inpatient stay, more medication, you know, bothering my psychiatrist to say I need an emergency appointment. Just a reminder that in the U.S., there is 988, that's like 911, a phone number, that is the suicide and crisis lifeline. You do not have to be in crisis to call it, but it can really, really help to talk to someone. I have called one, I have worked at one, and been the listener. Just knowing that there's somebody always, 24-7, 365 days a year, who will listen to you, who has heard it before, who will not judge, can be a really nice net, even if you need something far more than that. They can at least get the ball rolling. And if you're not in the U.S., look up a crisis line or a hotline or a warm line in your country and have that number in your phone so that if you're ever in a situation where you or someone else is in crisis or nearing it, that you can call and you can call for someone else and you can put it on speaker and say, I'm with someone really having a hard time and I don't know what to do. And they can give you some ideas. Yep. And remembering what Janine said, those people are there because you are worth it. And she heard that voice reminding her to get to the door and open it because on the other side, there was bright light filled with amazing opportunities. That's what the people who are going to respond to you when you call, they will remind you of that. They will help you to open the door that you need to. So if you aren't hearing that voice coming from within you saying, get help, reach out, let us be those voices that are saying to you, get to the door, open it. There are beautiful, amazing opportunities on the other side, even if you cannot feel that and you can't see it right now. Amen. And and I have heard, I want to just again, keeping this really real, I have heard people who say that they have dialed 988 or mm-hmm. the old 800 number, and they did not find the person on the other end to be what they had hoped. And I tell people, hang up and call again, because there are a lot of people answering the phone, and you'll get another person. And that person might be a good connection. It's like finding a good doctor, finding a good therapist, you might have to dial more than once. And I had people when I worked at a lifeline, you know, that I answered and they said, I'm going to call back because they were hoping for the guy. And, and mm-hmm. I let him answer the phone. Yeah, there were only like six of us in the room, but you know, I'd say, I think you should answer this. He wants to talk to a man. So if you're, you're thinking, you're hearing, I've called before and it wasn't a good experience. Next time say, thank you very much or whatever, you know, hang up the phone and just redial it until you get someone you do feel a connection to. That's such good advice. Just don't give up. Don't give up. Keep reaching out. truly hope that our podcast brings a little more understanding, helps you better articulate and reflect on your own experience with depression, or better understand how to support someone else who is struggling. If this episode has been of comfort or value to you, know that there are hundreds of others like it in our archive, which you can easily find at our website, givingvoicetodepression.com. And remember, if you're struggling, speak up, even if it's hard. If someone else is struggling, take the time to listen.